0: Now, never miss a thing with MDN-TV, the podcast. We love to keep you in the present with diverse goodies from secular and non-secular subjects of global interest. Join us. Grab more from these series, Listen to our podcast, The Undeniable Choice. This is MDN Shows Running With The Times, only on
1: MDN TV, the podcast. And I made your daughter. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all our listeners and viewers around the world. Meet us in the comments. We are live. They engage. Ask questions. I mean, share your thoughts. Share this broadcast. Share this podcast. Tell your friends to tell their friends it's happening right now tell you what, every story, every story sounds credible until you start asking questions or until you start the cross-examination, like in a court. Now, for example, those who have been following the impeachment inquiry of uh, the suspended public protector, you would have seen that the first to state their case seem right until another comes to cross-examine. Now, the other in this case will be Advocate Dalempofu. There are many who have really criticized his style of uh, cross-examination, and my guest is gonna help us with exactly that today. Is it his strategy to... Um, let me look for the right word is it his strategy to just discredit the style of questioning some have been saying some people with, through their letters and opinions they've been saying that he's um that is advocate Dalumpov, of course that his cross-examination needs some work or skill to elicit some answers if we can put it that way. Now, the question is, is that also part of the strategy? Is it a strategy for the one who's cross-examining to say all kinds of things just to get you to panic, just to get you to forget what you're supposed to say or get you to agree to even something you don't even plan or never plan to agree to? I mean, we saw things like, and I must really say this, we saw, we saw questions, like, um, as you know, if you have a case in court, your lawyer or advocate will be the one drafting the papers. But we saw that become a big deal in, in, the, in the case of advocate Mkwebane's inquiry, right? Mm-hmm. Whereby it, it seemed or it was portrayed as if it's wrong for your lawyer or for any lawyer or advocate to draft papers for their client. My guest talks about it, he and he's a law professor, and he's also an economist. I mean, he's got it all. So a professor is going to help us break this down. But our focus really is about that expect witness. So we are talking about mastering the art of expect witness testimony. How do you become that expect witness testifier? Who gives a testimony that you can stand for tomorrow and not be charged with perjury and things like that? Michael will help us navigate all that. But I'm also interested to find out
0: from him. Look, send your questions. Drop, drop your questions. MDN TV, the podcast. Be abreast. With now, Never Miss a Thing with MDN-TV, the podcast. We love to keep you in the present with diverse goodies from secular and non-secular subjects of global interest. Join us. Grab more from these series. Listen to our podcast, The Undeniable Choice. The
1: Undeniable Choice, choice indeed, for today's is- Professor Brian Brennach, I mean, the name says it all. He's a a law professor, he's an economist, he's an author, he's a speaker, he's all these beautiful things, but most of all, he's here to help us master the art of expect witness testimony and help those who are still going to be understand. Thanks the Gazillion Times, Professor, I want to welcome you and thank you for really giving your, your yourself and availing yourself and sharing yourself and your wisdom with the whole world. Now, why expect witness? Why should anyone master the art of being an expect witness in the first place? What inspired that? And why did you go for that,
2: Professor? Well, Major, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's a pleasure to be with you. Um, you know, the, the subject of expert witness testimony really applies to anyone who's giving a professional presentation. Uh, if you're speaking to people, if you're teaching, if you're withstanding, if you're presenting testimony in court and you're withstanding cross examination, um, that really, to some extent, is very much the, the subject of expert testimony. Um, and I'll I'm happy to interact with you on on many questions on this, but I will say one thing at the outset, um, and that is that withstanding cross-examination is sort of the sexy part that everybody thinks about that they wanna learn how to do. But I'll tell you that the successful withstanding uh, cross-examination or the best defense to cross-examination is a good presentation on direct examination, and knowing that on your direct examination, you need to deflect your weaknesses and anticipate what the weaknesses are going to be. And you've already presented those weaknesses in a positive light before you begin to withstand cross-examination. So I have many thoughts about the strategies of withstanding cross-examination, but it all starts with the idea of presenting yourself effectively on direct examination and deflecting or anticipating your weaknesses on direct that are going to happen on cross-examination.
0: Yeah,
1: you you said it so well. But let's start first by asking this question, I guess, is on everybody's mind. What should a witness expect from the cross-examiner? worst case scenario what should they really prepare for before you've got you've got it right with your presentation but now here you are especially on an examiner that is very disrespectful and using everything available you know to well, really put you down
2: well well the first question that you have to ask yourself is do you have a good analysis? Do you have a good position? Or unfortunately, do you have a, a weakness in your position, a big weakness? Now, hopefully, you have a good position. Your analysis has been, uh, of course, truthful. And you've got good facts. And in, in my world as economics, uh, I have a good economic position. So that's the first thing that I hope for. Um, Every once in a while, you know, not every day is a great day, so some days your position is not as strong as others, but hopefully I have a good position. Now, if I have a good position, this may surprise you. The more aggressive the cross-examining lawyer becomes, the more calm I get. I think the worst thing that a witness can do is get into the fight, get into the argument with the cross-examiner the listener is is, leans toward going with the more pleasant personality. And if the cross-examiner is just obnoxious, I, as the witness, will get calm, scholarly, and relaxed, more so than I otherwise would be, because I think that's the best strategy to the very obnoxious, aggressive cross-examiner. That's my thought on the subject.
1: Yes, and maybe because you have mastered it, you have mastered the art of expect witnessing. How, 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 how long did it take you to get to that level whereby if you're dealing with an aggressive cross examiner, you still remain calm. You're calm as a baby. You call names, you remain calm as a baby. How does one really master that? Well, I think oh, it's,
2: is- it's, it's part of the art of doing this and understanding, if you if you think it through, taking yourself a little bit out of the moment of, excuse me, of the, the instant that you're sitting there on the witness stand, mentally stepping back and thinking about what does the listener, who, who is the listener going to like more? The obnoxious, aggressive, nasty, mean cross-examiner or the scholarly A witness who's sitting there saying, I'm just trying to do a good job. I'm trying to tell you the analysis that I've done, why I've done it the way I've done it, what my opinion is of the subject that we're talking about. I'm just here to do a professional good job. If you want to yell and scream at me, go ahead. There's nothing I can do about that. I'm just going to be the nice guy or the nice gal um, doing my job. So, I think if you step back and think about that, even at the beginning of your expert witness career, you realize that your uh, mental attitude while you are the witness is very important. And I just think it's much more important to be calm, cool, and collected than it is to get into the fight with the cross-examiner.
0: Wow. True that. True that. And uh...
1: I believe the science behind this. Let's talk about some of the strategies and tactics of an expect witness testimony.
0: Well, uh,
2: as I started at the beginning to say, Major, the best defense on cross-examination is a good presentation on direct examination. So the first strategies, I would say, is even if I can say this, backing up before that, only put yourself in the situation of rendering uh, professional witness testimony in an area that you are truly comfortable in, in an area that you are expert in. Don't try, like in my world, is is finance, uh, accounting, and valuation. Lawyers on my side of a case, and maybe this is more than you're asking, but I'll go down this tangent for just a minute. Lawyers will sometimes ask me to stretch my opinion beyond the areas that I'm expert in. The first strategy is don't do that. If you are, let's say, an appraiser and your job is to determine the value of this piece of real estate, don't get into letting a a lawyer push you into other areas. Oh, how much is it going to cost to build the building on this real estate? Or how long is it going to take? no those aren't the areas to, to testify on so the first strategy is to know your area of expertise and stay within it the second strategy if i can say it in order that way the second strategy would be in your direct examination the the witness is a teacher so think of the minds of the listener and how you have to teach your subject to the to the listener and go through teaching of that subject in a way that they can understand. And then, as I said earlier, you always want to uh, deal with your weaknesses on direct examination. You want to anticipate that the other side is going to cross-examine you. Oh, you couldn't do a perfect analysis over here and you couldn't do a perfect analysis over there, you want to be thinking about that and say, well, I did the best I could over in this area and I checked it out as much as I could and this is what I concluded. You want to anticipate that on direct before you get to cross-examination. So that's kind of a long-winded answer to your question, but that is the strategy, to stay in your lane, to only testify on the things you know. Secondly, to deflect your weaknesses on direct examination and thirdly, to stay calm on cross-examination. that Those are the big picture of the strategies to master the art of expert witness testimony and withstand cross-examination.
1: Yes, stay calm. <laughs> Sounds easy. Mm-hmm. let Let me ask this. you You have been doing this for for forever now. Forty, 40, what, years. What? 40 years. Yes. yes. That's for decades. It's, it's not a small thing. Right. What is? Because now I want, I want us to go to a place where we understand the mind. The mind and the intention or the intentions of the cross examiner. How does that look like? When one is sitting there on the stand as a witness, can I zoom? Is it possible to zoom into the mind of the, the cross-examiner and their intentions?
2: Uh, I, I think I think it is. First of all, there are. Uh, uh, I'm indirectly answering your question with a preface, if I may. There yes. are two things that the inexperienced witness uh, may not appreciate. Number one. The other side is arguing against every single thing that you do. They don't Mm. like your opinion. They don't like your testimony. They want to do everything they can do to defeat that testimony. So I say Mm. sometimes it's like they're going to argue against your name, rank, serial number, and date of birth, and your testimony. They're going to argue excuse me, against everything, you need to understand that number one. And then the next point I'm going to make is a little bit more within US law, but I think international law, what the expert does during the course of uh, of working up his or her analysis is not privileged, it's not uh, protected from discovery by the other side. So the other side has access in my work to every single thing I've done from the beginning of the case. So um, so when you ask me the question, what do I think is in the mind of the cross-examining lawyer, he or she is trying to use everything they can do to undermine or destroy my opinion. I have to know that going in from the beginning.
0: Yeah.
2: If you're yeah. gonna be a good expert, that's okay. That's part of the game, so to speak. The uh, they don't like you. They're going to try to destroy you, and you have to know that going in, and you have to be comfortable in that fight. Uh, it's just a professional fight, from my perspective. They're uh, they're representing their client. They're, we wouldn't be in court if their client agreed with my opinion. Mine is finance, my, my numbers. If they agreed with me, we wouldn't be in court. So. I have to start out by saying, I fully expect that that cross-examining lawyer is going to disagree with every single thing that I've done. And I said to you earlier, I almost like it when they get obnoxious and aggressive, because I think that shows oftentimes that they don't have as good a position. If they can be calm, cool, and collected when they're cross-examining me, I'm a little more scared, to be honest with you. It's not as sexy. To your listeners who want to see the fight of cross-examination, but as a witness, I'm more scared with the cool, calm, collected cross-examiner than I am with the aggressive, obnoxious one who wants to yell at me. Uh, That one doesn't scare me as much as the cool, calm, collected one.
1: Hmm. Does anyone have to read anything into that version of the the cross-examiner? And what relevance does the name where I worked, what I do, well, how I look like, even what role does that play, and what relevance,
2: professor? Well, the re- I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't quite get at The name, the relevance of the the name, the relevance and- of,
1: of 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 you being questioned by about your name, where you the the school you went to, maybe. Sure. Profession how saying. you even look.
2: Yeah. I mean well, obviously they're now talking about education. Yeah. The more, education as well. Yes. The obviously for the witness now, speaking about the person who is giving expert testimony, meaning yeah. rendering sworn opinion testimony, um, it obviously helps to have the more high quality background education and experience that the expert has, the better it is. Um, you would rather have someone who's who's got a pedigree, so to speak, and who's got significant experience in the particular field that he, he or she is testifying on. You know, that of course is is very, very helpful. So in order to qualify as an expert witness, uh, legally, a person has to have, sufficient background education and experience for the court as a question of law to say this person is a qualified expert and because this person is a qualified expert we the court and the jury will be allowed to listen to that person's opinion because i don't know if you realize your listeners realize this but most witnesses are not allowed to render their opinions most witnesses just testify about facts. This is what I saw. This is what I heard. Um, but witnesses can't say, "Oh, I think uh, that you know the the guy standing on the corner. I think he was trying to kill the 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 person that he was shot." They're not allowed to do that. All most witnesses can do is say, "I saw him shoot the person," or something. You know, facts. But experts are allowed to testify. To their opinions and experts have to have sufficient background education and experience to do that and of course the more of that that the expert has the better it is so it sure helps to have a sufficient background education and experience and last thing i'll say is it's interesting for the new expert the younger person who's maybe testifying for the first or second time it's always a little bit of a challenge to try to amass enough background education and experience to qualify as an expert witness. And that, you know, is, is both a good thing and a bad thing because when you've done it as many times as I have, what the other side will sometimes use against you is the argument that, oh, you're just a professional witness and you'll say anything. So it's a little bit of a two-edged sword where the mm-hmm. rookie doesn't have enough experience to do it. And the old salt, so to speak, has too much experience, and he's just, you know, doing it to make a, to have a, to be a professional and and make another dollar. So there's a balance, but uh, adequate background, education, and experience is, of course, very
0: helpful.
1: Now, uh it I'll, I'll i'll just go to this one because i'm not sure if you really addressed it the aggression really? is there anything to read into that the aggression of the cross examiner or where you find a cross exam like in the case of uh, the impeachment inquiry of the suspended public protector we've been seeing the 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 advocate who's really leading the the cross examinations that, Every now and then, losing his cool, you know, really getting really aggressive. Now, so, is there anything to read into the aggression of any cross-examiner, not even putting this one on the spotlight?
2: Sure. Well, okay. let me give you my thoughts on that. First of all, I'm not familiar with the uh, the particular proceeding you're talking about, about the suspended public prosecutor. I should look into that, and I'm sorry I haven't done that ahead of time uh, uh, to talk to you about that number one. But number two, I can only give you, and and I'll be curious to to see what your view of it is watching it, but if I'm the person on the witness stand, I feel like I'm winning if the cross-examiner has to get argumentative, obnoxious, aggressive, um, and like that. I I don't think that's a plus. And I feel like I'm winning if I say, as I said to repeat myself, cool, calm, and collected, and he or she is getting really obnoxious. Now, um, I I am much more concerned about the very sophisticated, cool, calm, collected cross-examiner. I think that's more scary to me as a witness, because I think that person has more uh, ammunition, so to speak, in his bag of tricks than the one who has to yell and scream and get obnoxious. Um, That guy is (laughs) using that emotion to try to make a point and and, uh, bring it on. Uh, So that's my thinking. Now, let me ask you, even though I'm not asking the questions today, Major, what's your observation of the cross-examiner who gets really obnoxious and aggressive. What do you think of that person? Do you think he's winning or not?
1: I feel he's frustrated. So he's, he's really frustrated with but the cross-examination. He may, okay, he's not let getting to
2: Let me ask you, he may feel frustrated, but what is your reaction to him? Who's winning, him or the witness? What do you think?
1: The witness, obviously, because the witness... He is not getting what he's, he wants to get or driving. You know, he's not getting his way. So the frustration comes. So the witness is on top. And uh, if there's such a position.
2: Look. You could, you could give my, have you read my book? You could give my presentation, Major. You're sitting here saying exactly, and I haven't seen the thing you're, you're looking at. You're sitting here saying exactly what my theoretical observation is the the lawyer the cross examining lawyer is being the big jerk and the witness in again i haven't seen it so i don't know <laughs> the witness is the nice guy who do you like better the jerk or the nice guy you like the nice guy is what i would think
1: yeah and i think even in the court of law anywhere This is interesting. What we're going to do immediately after this show, we're going to send you the clips so that you watch because they are back in January to continue with the work. So we'll want to follow that and we'll be bringing you on so that we can really now take you through after having watched everything. But let's talk about this, the drafting of papers of that witness statement or the affidavit I'm not sure who in America how he's done. Who really is responsible in South Africa? It's normal for your advocate or your lawyer or the one who's handling your matter to be drafting the papers for you, and you just come in and read and then sign. Well, how is it done?
2: Okay, let me tell you. Uh, and maybe this has to do with. I, I think you can see my gray hair here. Um, <laughs>
0: So, so yes,
2: the the novice—it's fake. It, it's really much darker, but I sprayed it gray this morning. Uh, it the, looks
0: like wool.
2: Yeah, wool. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Very the, beautiful.
2: The, the the novice, and I'm talking now about the the witness no, the expert witness. The novice expert or novice witness will foolishly let the lawyer draft the papers for the novice, and that person will, you know, lawyers, God love them. Uh, I happen to be a lawyer, even though I don't practice law. They are advocates. They are advancing the interests of their client. Their client is the first and foremost thing in their minds. They see every issue with that advocate's bent, so to speak, that advocate's view, and they see it in a, a slightly, I would say, distorted way. The witness needs to have, in my view, a balanced approach uh, approach to this. And uh, let me think of a of a quick example. It's like uh, the you know one lawyer uh, says the you know if the speed limit is uh, sixty, I'll, I'll use the international language. If the speed limit is uh, sixty kilometers uh, per hour the one and, and the car was going 67 kilometers uh, per hour. One lawyer will say the car was traveling at a great rate, rate of speed in excess of the speed limit. And the other lawyer will say the car was going a little faster than the speed limit, 67 kilometers per hour. I mean, that's just the way the lawyers look at it. The expert, bringing you the good
0: news all day long. You you were tuned in to the hottest stations on the planet. 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 Keep it locked.
1: Well, we are still chatting and having a very beautiful conversation with Professor Brian Brannig. Look, mastering the art of expect witness testimony. You want to excel in this. You don't want to embarrass yourself. You don't want to go there and be crushing straws. This is the show. Doesn't matter when you get to hear this. It doesn't matter when you get to listen. When you do, make sure you engage with it and do your own kind of research. Now, Professor, coming back to you, thanks for Gazillion Times for staying on. We lost you there for a moment, so if you can back off a little bit. In South Africa, we have advocates and um, uh, lawyers who will draft the papers for you. And um, in this particular case, I bring it because when the cross-examiner comes and starts making a big deal about who drafted the papers and making a big deal about what is written, not being your own words, being words that are put into your mouth. Now, you're still saying that novice will let somebody draft papers for them. Yes. You can take it away from that.
2: Uh, but a, a, a seasoned person who understands the art of being an expert witness is going to say, I need to be the one who drafts my papers um, because they need to be stated in a balanced, legitimate way. Because if you overstate them the way a lawyer would overstate the argument, the opposing lawyer will use that against you. If you use absolute terms, Uh, And now I'm talking about the witness. If the witness uses absolute terms, oh, it always happens this way, or they were extremely negligent in doing what they're doing. If the lawyer, uh, if the witness uses those terms, which the lawyer would be inclined to use if the lawyer was drafting, the cross-examination will be quite easy. It's very easy to cross-examine on absolute terms. So, The witness needs to present something very balanced. I looked at this and I considered this and that. And on balance, I think the answer is this. That's hard to cross examine. But if you say, I'm absolutely sure that the answer is this, boy, they're going to nail you. So, part of, you know, make sure you draft your own papers and they're your words um, and don't let the lawyer, your own lawyer, bully you into stating too extreme a position. That will be very easy to cross-examine.
0: That would be my uh, view on this. And what does one do in a case where
1: the papers are drafted for them, especially in this case, because all these witnesses that have been coming, their papers were drafted. In fact, in South Africa, it's a norm. It's a norm, it's normal. In America, it may not be so. So, what will be your advice? Because obviously, the one who's writing may go above board.
2: Okay. Well, I think the the way I'm interpreting uh, your observation, Major, is that you're seeing what happens when the lawyer drafts the papers for the witness. they yeah overstated it, and the other lawyer can just cross-examine the heck out of them. Oh, you said this? You said that? Really? In other words, I would say, if you you understand the art of expert witness testimony and the appropriate practices and procedures for developing your opinion as an expert, uh, you're not going to let that happen. Some of my biggest arguments are with my own clients. When my clients are trying to get me to say things that their clients, the the people in litigation, want me to say, and I, I'm arguing them, and saying I can't say that. That's too extreme. I need to have a balanced position. So the, this whole point that we're talking about, the lawyers drafting your, uh, drafting the experts' uh, uh, papers, they've overstated the expert's position, and you see what happens. It's very easy for the cross examiner to knock the head off the witness if they've overstated their opinion. They did not appropriately balance their opinion when they stated it in the papers or on direct examination. And your goose goose is cooked at that point in time because you have to now defend an overstated opinion and that's tough to do.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah,
1: it's not a walk in the park.
0: Definitely not. (laughs) If I can
2: interrupt you and say one of the underlying messages here is it's very helpful for a testifying expert to sort of understate the opinion and you know understate it a little bit because that's very hard to cross-examine to cross-examine. And then when you're on cross-exam, the witness who slightly understated the opinion might say something like. Well, Mr. Smith, that's why um, the the opinion that I gave was very conservative. And if I factored this thing in, it would, you know, for me, they're numbers. For me, my damages answer would be $200,000 higher. Boom. You know, I can I can sneak that in if I dare say it that way. I can sneak <laughs> yeah. that in if I have been understated. But if I put the extra $200,000 in... Um, originally, they're going to nail me for that. So anyway, I, I don't need to be rambling about that. But understatement oh. is one of the keys to success.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And maybe you should really go on this one and tell us about the difference between the expert's role and the lawyer's role. Maybe when roles are understood, Food. We can fare better,
0: Professor.
2: Well, the expert is an advocate for his or her client. The expert's yes. job yes. is to advance the client's position um, ethically within the the ethics of the legal profession. But the I said the I meant the lawyer's job is to advance the uh, client's position within the ethics of the legal profession focusing on the strengths of of the underlying facts that support the client's position and totally minimizing as much as possible the weaknesses. So the lawyer is an advocate for the client. They don't care, if I can say this um, respectfully, they don't care what's right or wrong substantively, technically. (laughs) They simply want to win for my client. If, if I'm a lawyer and I can get $10 million or 10 million pounds uh, of rand, I guess, in South Africa, to have millions of rand for my injured client, yeah. I win. I don't really care as the lawyer what the right number is. The expert's job is not to be an advocate on behalf of the client. The expert's mm-hmm. job Within the expert's substantive analysis, uh, area of expertise. In my case, it's damages and finance. The expert could be a medical expert, a banking expert, an architecture expert, any one of these fields. The expert's job is to honestly look at the substantive facts and come up with an objective, truthful, defensible opinion on some substantive area. In my case, it's Damages money and be able to look both sides of the case in the eye and say, for these balanced reasons, I believe this is the right answer to the question. That's the expert's job, not to be an advocate for the client. The expert has ethical responsibilities beyond the client relationship. The expert has ethical responsibilities to the court and to the truth uh, and to justice, so to speak. So that's the difference between the lawyer who's an advocate, and the expert who's responsible for legitimately defending the substantive area of the expert's work, finance, medicine, uh, architecture, engineering, whatever. The expert's job is not to be an advocate on behalf of the client. That's the difference.
1: Yes. Incredible. Now, from your observation, what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes the expect witnesses or witnesses are making out there, and what would be your advice?
0: Um,
2: probably, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I should rank these, but just in coming to my mind, <laughs> probably number one is letting your lawyer push you off the page of your expertise. Um, hey. In other words, the lawyer, on behalf of of his client, would like to solve doesn't want to go out and hire five experts to do, you know, everything. So anything related, remotely related to your area of expertise, the lawyer will try to talk you into scooping in and adding into your, uh, your analysis. The problem with that is it makes the expert look weak. The expert has, has not stayed in his or her lane, so to speak. Um, And You know, if uh, I'll I'll just use an example, if I'm if I'm valuing a business, if somebody wants me to look at the traffic counts of the traffic driving by, if it's a minor issue, I can do it. I can go do a little research and know uh, understand this is the traffic count going by this corner. But if traffic counts are a major issue in the case, I can't think of a of a case that where traffic counts would be the major issue. But if they were and I as an accountant, economist, try to scoop in traffic counts, we're gonna find out how little I know about traffic counts or how poor an expert I am in traffic counts very quickly. So the point of telling you that is what I'll say is the first mistake is that if I expand my area of expertise beyond where I should, I'm gonna get heavily cross-examined on those ancillary areas and wow. that is going to be made to make me look <sighs> overall. So that's probably yeah. the first one. And the second one, I'll be more brief on this. The second one is letting your lawyer talk you into being a bit of a prostitute and overstating or understating your opinion in the particular area on behalf of the client, not rendering a balanced opinion. So starting to view yourself as you work for the client and whatever the client wants to hear, that's the opinion you're going to give. That's the second biggest mistake that I see experts making. So either getting out of their lane, number one, or number two, overstating or understating their opinion, becoming an advocate for the client. That is the next, uh, the next yes. big mistake that experts
0: make.
1: Refuse to be pushed around, refuse to be stretched to areas where you are not strong and you have no strength and have no really expertise, stick to your lane, stay in
0: your lane and, 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 your and, it's too late.
2: and you're right, you're you're right, uh, major. It's when you do that, it's too late to recover. you you yeah, that, and that's what happens sometimes to the novice. They get too far down the road and they can't recover from that, and they get their head knocked off uh, on cross-examination.. Whew.
1: Yeah, it's a it's an untenable position.
2: That's right. You're very perceptive on this and you're have you read my book? You're you're saying many of the things that I'm saying.
1: Your book is an excellent book. Maybe you should tell us about the book and how everyone can get hold of the book, especially those who stand on the fence of witnesses and, and wanna be expect witnesses.
2: Well, thank you you for thank you for allowing me that shameless self promotion, but I'll take it. Um, So my my book it's my fifth book actually, but it's called Mastering the Art of Expert Witness Testimony. And I I will bluntly state the the strategies that I present in Mastering the Art of Expert Witness Testimony. And I think I'm maybe allowed to say this: they'll keep you from getting your ass kicked by opposing lawyers in court. I hope I'm allowed yeah. to say that without getting you thrown off the air. No, uh, you are.
0: I already. Right. Well, yeah.
2: that's, that's what it will do. Um, but in the, in the book, I present the strategies and tactics um, for expert witnesses in both the courtroom as well as the procedures and practices that, uh, in my view, an expert needs to do during the workup of the case how to document, and this is the unexciting part, but it's very important, how to document your files, how to develop your opinions intellectually, how to market your services as an expert witness, those kinds of things, all culminating in how to stand for an effective deposition, how to testify in on direct exam, and how to withstand cross-exam. But my book's available on Amazon, Mastering the Art of Expert Witness Testimony. And if you're in this field, or if you're a lawyer, you should make sure your experts know this information. Um, and I, I'm i very proud of it. And I, I think it really uh, discusses the subject well. And if I can say one more thing that's interesting, if I was 45 years old as an expert, I couldn't write this book because the lawyers hmm. take everything an expert writes and they use it against him in the next case he's in trial. At my age, I won't tell you how old I am, but I've been doing this for to- <laughs> At my age, I can write this stuff and I'm not going to be around uh, testifying. I'm going to be teaching law school, not testifying much more. So they can't really use it against me. So that's why there are some valuable insights in there that I couldn't have put 20 years ago. So thank you for allowing me that shameless self promotion, Major.
1: The pleasure is all mine, Professor. And I want to say and tell our listeners and viewers that Professor Bryan will be coming back to really spend time with us when we follow the case of Senzo Meiwa and the, the impeachment inquiries that we currently have, even the upcoming one. Look, so you want to start sure to follow this, you want to be sure that you have you're noting this down, so Professor will be coming and those who have their questions, please feel free to send in your questions Feel free to communicate, share your thoughts, whatever it is. Professor, we are at the tail and time flies. Time is the enemy. This is what I tell people, that time is the enemy. <laughs>
2: well, thank right you. Right now. Thank you for joining. And, I, and let me join you. And I look forward to your sending me some of these clips so I can look at some of the testimony that you're, you've been talking about that I'm sorry I'm not familiar with. And I look forward to meeting with you again, Major, and we'll talk about this where I have a little more background on what's actually going on in this case.
1: Precisely. Now, this show may be coming to an end, but the conversation doesn't have to. Now, where and how, and for those of our viewers and listeners who want to find out more about you, how can they get hold of you? Where are you active? Where can they meet you naturally, digitally, Professor?
2: Well, I'm a managing director at CBiz, which is a U.S. financial services firm. My email is brian.brenig, B-R-I-A-N dot brenig, B-R-I-N-I-G, at CBiz, C-B-I-Z dot com. You can reach me there. Um, As I said, my book is available on Amazon. I invite you to buy it. I don't think you'll be sorry if you do. And uh, I think it's valuable for both lawyers and experts or anybody doing corporate presentations, trying to learn how to do more effective presentations, et cetera. So, again, thank you for the opportunity to shamelessly promote myself, Major, uh, and I hope I've given your listeners information that's valuable to them.
1: Very interesting, and I'm sure this will raise more topics and conversations from this one. Thanks to Gazillion Times for all those who are looking for the book and looking to connect. Check the links in the description. If they're not there, ask and they shall be given. Whatever you need, if it's not in the description in relation with today's conversation, ask and keep asking. Now, Professor, as your parting shot as as your last words in this show what would you say what advice would you give to a wannabe trial expect witness or witness in court or outside court or anywhere really as a parting shot
0: professor
2: well first and foremost tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth number 1 number 2 learn and understand the strategies and tactics of effective expert witness testimony. The science of expert witness testimony is doing an honest, good, substantive job. The art of expert witness testimony is understanding the strategies and tactics of litigation so you can advance your well-thought-out, legitimately formulated opinion in litigation. Those would be my parting shots, Major. Thank you very
0: much.
1: You are welcome. Thanks to Gazillion Times. You too, Professor. Now tell the truth and nothing but the truth. And remember, stay calm when they're yes. coming on you at you with everything. Remember to stay calm. Thanks to Gazillion Times. There are no words to really express this. Now, that website again is Brian brianbrenek.com. Dot com now check it out in the description if you're not sure ask if you can find it please again i will say ask thanks to gazillion times to all our viewers our listeners i'm sure now you can understand the mind of the expect witness and the mind of the cross examiner next time you're in court or next time you're following court proceedings you can actually judge from the <laughs> <laughs> yes to all our listeners and viewers around the world well done
0: mdn talk radio the mic swings to you at mdn talk radio the conversation is upbeat with life enhancing tech moderated by personalities that matter. Exclusive Conversations to keep our radio community interactive is with you now. Log on from the comfort of your couch, or take us along in your palm as you go. Hear us. The Undeniable Choice.